Do you want to know how to get your brand featured in mass media outlets to increase the trust and credibility in your brand? Mass media exposure elevates the perception of your brand, attracting customers, increasing sales, and outselling your competitors. So listen in because the Magnify You podcast has been made for you. I'm your host, Monica Rosenfeld, and I've been running my PR agency, Wordstorm PR, for 20 years. Over that time, we've worked with literally hundreds of brands and positioned our clients as the go-to media spokespeople for their industry. I'll be talking to journalists, talent agents, media professionals, and inspiring entrepreneurs about what it takes to get your message in the headlines. Welcome back to the Magnify You podcast. I'm your host, Monica Rosenfeld, and today I'm thrilled to welcome into the studio Stephanie Palmer Derrien, who is the editor of Startup Smart. Startup Smart is Australia's premier publication for Australia's growth businesses and startups. Thanks very much for coming in, Stephanie. No problem. So, can you tell me a little bit about your role as the editor of Startup Smart? So, at Startup Smart, we're a pretty small team. There's only four of us. So the day sort of starts with an editorial meeting when we um, have a look over all the press releases that have come in and everything that's going on. And what time is that meeting generally? Uh, 8.30. So it's the first thing, sort of sit down. And uh, we all sort of brief each other on what what we've come across in the news and what's going on on Twitter and on socials and things. And then we sort of pitch what we'd like to work on that day to each other and kind of gives us a chance to bounce some ideas around and talk about how we would approach certain stories and also like who's going to do what. So by the end of that meeting, we have an idea of um, who's writing which stories, what kind of angle they're going to take and who they're going to approach for comment and things like that. Okay, fantastic. And so are all the stories written by in-house journalists or do you commission any freelance journalists? At the moment, everything's written by our in-house team. Um, What we do have is uh, some contributors who might write um, opinion pieces for us, but everything that kind of requires interviews and um, kind of additional research. We do all of that in-house. And with the contributors, are they regular contributors that you use or do you welcome new contributors to come into the mix? Uh, We have some regulars who um, write for us sort of on a regular basis. Uh, We have others who will um, just send us pitches when they have ideas and we consider those on a sort of case-by-case basis but equally we're always open um, primarily to opinion pieces so if for example there's something going on in the news like the Royal Commission was an, a good example we were very much welcoming um, people working in fintechs who had some commentary on those things and who wanted to um, write kind of a almost strongly worded opinion piece in um, in response to those things. Okay, so if there's a theme that's trending that business mm. people can see and they feel that they have an opinion or an expertise that they can share, that's when they should get in touch with you and your team. Yes, definitely. We love that. Any, any opinion pieces, anything that's kind of bouncing off the news cycle, they our readers love that kind of thing. Okay, fantastic. And who should they contact? Should they contact you or the other three members of your team? How do they divvy up or work out which person to contact for which 
sort of story? Our primary contact for um, opinion pieces is uh, my colleague Bronte McHenry. She's going to love that I've given her a shout out. <laughs> um, she is our chief production editor. So, um, I mean, to be honest, you can email any of us and we will put you in touch with Bronte. But she's she's your person. Great. And I know it's pretty important that those pieces don't end up looking like one big ad. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> how do you think, um, what advice can you give to potential contributors to give their opinion and get that thought leadership piece but not make it look like one big ad? I think a simple trick is just don't mention your own company um, and that that might sound really obvious or it might sound like like what's the point um, but the idea of these pieces is not to promote your product the idea of these pieces is to promote yourself as somebody who really knows what they're talking about and if you can sort of write something up that sounds really um, like engaging and uh, really authoritative and make it just so clear that you know exactly what you're on about here and this is why you have these opinions and this is why we should listen to your opinions then it's just so much more subtle than um, somebody just coming out and saying my product is the best thing to help you with this particular issue that's sort of not a helpful thing and I think readers can see straight through that yeah Um, and Startup Smart it's the sister publication of Smart Company Mm -hmm. so how does the content on both of those sites differ from each other yeah Smart Company is all small businesses and they cover so they'll cover anything from sort of mom and pop shops to sort of wage theft scandals and things like that they they cover like very much the lessons from big business uh, that small businesses can learn from and also they will um, kind of do profiles and things of sort of any for anyone that is running a small business Um, startup smart is this sort of a similar thing but focused solely on startups Mm -hmm. so we need to have a sort of tech element to it and typically we'll be looking for sort of high growth fast moving small companies so we often find that we'll sort of feature them when they're sort of very new and just sort of in their first phase and then we'll cover their sort of their raises as they grow and then we see them sort of grow into these like awesome tech companies so and are there any that you can remember that you've done that with so any of the big tech companies that came to you as a little unknown company um well I've only been there for sort of a year and a half so I don't know sort of what the relationships were previously but I know uh we've been covering Canva for a long time mm-hmm. um and I saw a story about them last week <laughs> yeah they're, they're doing pretty well for themselves these days yeah <laughs> there's also some um very early stage startups that we're covering at the moment that I I really think are going to make big big impact in the future mm. so there's a few I'm keeping my eye on yeah Oh, fantastic. Um, And can you tell us a bit about the different sections of Startup Smart and the types of stories and angles you look for within each section? Mm -hmm, For sure. So we have our sort of um, regular news beats, which is, you know, reactive to whatever is going on. Um, That's where we'll cover the raises, the sort of revenue milestones, um, occasionally sort of partnerships that are a big deal um, and just sort of the day-to-day news stuff um that's also occasionally we'll throw in there like a a funny story from the US or you know if YouTube has done something ridiculous then we might throw that in um and then next to that we have our analysis um section 
So in there, we do sort of more deep dives into um, either trends or legislation things or kind of, you know, anything to do with, um, you know, the R&D tax incentive changes. Um, We might sort of canvas some opinions on those kind of things and just sort of take a little bit of a deeper look. That's also where we'll cover um, issues like women in tech you know diversity in startups and stuff like that and do you have spokespeople on the books that you'll go to regularly in that analysis piece or I have a few people who are good contacts and who I know will pretty much always answer the phone and chat to me yeah um and they're sort of contacts that I really really value um we try not to reach out to the same people all the time Uh just to make it you know get sort of as wide coverage as possible but there are sometimes just things that I know one particular person will have opinions about. So I'll just call that person and I pretty much can guarantee that they'll answer the phone and have a chat and say some great stuff. Occasionally, I will sort of speak to somebody um, who I know works in a particular sector and therefore like could have sort of some expertise in this space. Um, And then I'll reach out to them either by email or on Twitter or whatever. But Typically, people are actually really receptive. But I guess you're always looking for good spokespeople. Yes, so, always. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's good news for the listeners out there, um, as long as you do it the right way. Mm-hmm. So then, yes, yeah, so the analysis section, and then what are some of the other sections? Uh, the opinion section is also where we get those contributed pieces and also where like we occasionally just go to have a small rant. We don't do that as often, but every now and then we we just decide as a publication that we do have a stance on something and we will go and talk about it. We uh, have also our kind of um, profiles section, um, which is where, again, it's kind of a deep dive, but typically into a particular startup that has a really interesting story or that is run by somebody who has a really like unusual background or has come at it at a particular angle, just anyone that we think is like particularly interesting and um and noteworthy and whose story we really want to tell um and those pieces can be like really really great i think that it's when you can sort of get into like get to know who the founders are and um fully understand sort of where they're coming from and why they're passionate about what they're passionate about. And it's those pieces that um, I, I really enjoy writing. And are there any interviews that you've done that stand out to you as being really memorable or some of your favourite, couple of your favourite people that you've interviewed? Yeah, there are a few. One, one good example is recently I interviewed a, a founder who was working on technology that was facial recognition for cows. For cows. For cows. Ah. <laughs> and when I heard about it, I, my reaction was a little bit like that. <laughs> I was like, I don't understand why you would want or need facial recognition for cows. So I spoke to this man and... You were obviously intrigued enough to speak to him. Yeah, yeah. And he was so interesting. His his background is just like mind-blowing. Like you should all go and read the story, not just because I wrote it, but because it's it's really interesting. <laughs> And he was sort of telling me about his background and about the business. And I had to sort of stop him and say, like, I don't understand why we why we would need facial recognition for cows. Like, what is this all about? And it turns out that in India, there's a big problem with cattle farmers and insurance companies, um, because historically, the insurance 
companies haven't sort of trusted the cattle farmers to be honest about when they need insurance um, mm. returns because something has happened to their to their um, animals. So this technology allows that sort of trust to be rebuilt. It allows the the farmers to sort of categorically prove what has happened to which cow, um, which means the they're able to get insurance, which is like a, a lifeline for them. Incredible. I know. <laughs> there's a business for everything. Yeah, exactly. And there's there's been a few things, like that's just a, a good example that's easy to explain. But there are some people who I, I speak to them and when I get on the call or when I meet them, I'm initially like, I do not understand what your product is or what it does. And then after speaking to them, afterwards I'm just like, I didn't even know that there was a need for this thing. Like I didn't know this problem existed and now you've just solved it and I'm completely mind blown and mm. it's it's so rewarding being able to have those conversations and sort of get a little glimpse into an industry that you didn't even know existed mm. and a lot of journalists will get those sorts of pictures and just think okay I don't understand this I'm this is just a bit silly and, and ignore it mm. so it's really interesting to hear that the more intrigued you are the more you actually want to have that chat yeah because you're curious to find out what's what is this all about yeah exactly um that one was actually referred to me by somebody else who I, I met at an event and she said to me like you have to mm. speak to this guy he's amazing and I was like oh, okay yeah like, maybe but yeah really it's I'm really glad I did. And speaking of sort of pictures, how many pictures do you get a day? What pictures do you look at and mm -hmm. take note of? Um, tell me a bit about that. We get a lot of pictures <laughs> a day. Some directly, some from PR companies, some from sort of in-house PRs. And to be honest, a lot of it depends on on the day. Like there are some days when we'll get 10 stories or 10 story pitches that we could write or that that could be brilliant but we only have you know two or three slots in the newsletter um, and we only have so much time so uh, we just have to kind of figure out like which ones will work well together um, which ones are the most interesting um, like who who the interview would be with and sort of how much um, bandwidth we have on the team to actually do these things. Also, there are some that sort of need to be run that day and there are others that could potentially wait a few days. So on days like that, like that's that's a, a great day for us because we sort of have our, our pick of the bunch. But it comes down to sort of there's a story that we would run on a different day just doesn't doesn't get a run that day because it's just bad timing unfortunately however on other times like um and the things that will get our attention are kind of anything with sort of an obvious news hook we we don't like to focus too too much on people raising funds but people do read those stories and and they they get sort of well you know well shared and and well read so we know there's sort of an appetite for that kind of news also, any if anyone's willing to talk about their revenue and sort of revenue milestones, they're, they're also really good kind of traction stories. And should people be prepared to share their revenue if they want to get a story in Startup Smart? If it's impressive. Because some people strategically don't yeah. want to. So what would you say to those people? Um, uh, equally, it doesn't have to be like exact figures. Um, if, if you've seen sort of 100% revenue growth for six months straight, um, month on month, then that's impressive. So it can and be percentage growth, yeah. not necessarily X figure. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, we, we've 
we've done some stories that would be sort of this, this startup has seen six thousand percent revenue growth in twelve months, and at that point, I mean, unless you've gone from like one dollar to six thousand dollars, that's that's impressive. Usually, it's not one dollar to six thousand dollars. <laughs> so that is something that we would look at um, potentially. So you don't have to kind of you know spill every little detail about the startup, but it it does make it interesting yeah and what are your sort of pet hates about the pictures that come in which ones just would get deleted instantly or just annoy Mm. you to no end usually the ones that get deleted instantly are from PR agencies that fundamentally don't understand our publication Um, usually if a startup emails us directly I will even if that's not a story for that day and even if I don't find the time to reply that day I will put them in my little folder of um startups that exist and that I will keep in mind in the future it's it's the ones from PRs who will sort of pitch you something that's fundamentally irrelevant and that I I would never cover and I don't have sort of the the time to get back and say like this is why I'm not covering it because it's it's not for not for our readers yeah and do you get a lot of pitches from founders themselves or and or their teams or their marketing teams yeah some Quite often, if it's the founders themselves, they'll reach out on Twitter or um, through LinkedIn. Yeah, I was going to actually ask you, do you get a lot of people reaching out that way? And is that a good way to build a relationship with someone like yourself? Yeah, it, it really is. Um, and also, if you're reaching out on Twitter, you don't have to have a story right then and there. It's just about saying like, hello, like I'm I'm thinking about maybe doing something and then we can have a chat. And, and if we don't speak sort of that week, then maybe you can let me know or just keep me posted on um, on your progress. Like... I I do really like hearing from founders who who reach out to me and say like we're thinking of raising some money and I'm like okay like keep me posted on that like it's 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 interesting for me personally just to sort of follow their progress and then um if we have that kind of dialogue then I sort of have the space to say you know once you've raised that money let me know and we'll and we'll chat and then they know that they can reach out to me when it's ready and that we'll be interested in the story um and it's yeah, it's really interesting. And um, how many stories are you writing a day? And how often is the site being refreshed? Um, we have uh, two in-house stories at least a day, um, sometimes three. Uh, but we sort of work on our newsletter cycle. That's kind of more of an important part of the business than the website itself. Um, so what we have is a morning newsletter three days a week um, that always has two fresh original stories if if that makes sense um and then additional contributed pieces and sometimes some pieces from smart company that that fit in uh we try to sort of provide a really nice little mix of of stories for your morning commute and that newsletter goes to subscribers yeah and a lot of businesses have events because Mm -hmm. um they believe they should have an event to attract the media do you go to a lot of events and which events do you go to or don't you go to um, I know you're going to one of our clients' events um, tomorrow. Yep. <laughs> um, so tell us a bit about events and th- what, how you think about them and, and where they're valuable for you or not. Mm. It sort of varies. We, If we do go to an event, we tend to try to like get some content from it, whether that's kind of just something for social or some images that we'll share or some kind of video content. That's always something that's valuable for us to get. Um, occasionally if you have sort of a panel discussion or something there are some really interesting insights that come out of that panel that um, that can sort of be turned into a little sort of advice piece equally 
uh, networking events are always good and kind of pitch competitions are mm. always really interesting to go along to just like partly to sort of see who wins and like maybe consider them for a profile but also just to see what other people are doing and um, to see what people are working on. Just to stay in the loop of yeah. the ecosystem. Yeah, yeah and to kind of network a little bit. I will say if I went to every event I was invited to it would be a full-time job <laughs> in itself. You'd never be in the office. Yeah um, so I try to sort of limit it to to one a week and it, but sort of the last few months there's there's just been endless events um, which is awesome like it's, it's really great that the, the community is so sort of vibrant but surely nobody has time to go to all of them. Yeah. So there's a whole section on the site dedicated to stories about failure. Um, what's the rationale of that section and how should people think about sharing their stories if they've had some sort of failure but they've bounced back? Uh, this is something that I'm sort of personally quite passionate about. Um, we hear a lot in the startup world about the startups that are crushing it and killing it and, um, you know, on like rockets and, and all of this. There's this whole sort of language around how you have to be succeeding all the time and like hustling and working and all of this. And I think actually in reality, like people have a much different experience to that. Um, and there's a, a another side, both to running a startup and to working in a startup, where it's it's hard, like it's a really difficult thing to do. So I think it's really important to kind of highlight story, both stories of failure and stories of, of recovery to show that like you don't have to be this like superhuman to be able to do this. And I think people compare themselves to other people. Um, and sort of see other people succeeding and go like, ah, oh, why isn't my my business going this well? Whereas actually that's an unrealistic expectation of anybody. And I think it's it's important to sort of open up that dialogue and allow people to come out and say like, I'm struggling and I might need some help and I might need some advice here. And equally, there's a, a whole other conversation around um, mental health. Um, again, both among startup founders and among people working in startups. And I think if you can, if, if we can just showcase some of those stories where people have struggled with their mental health and, um, and also with their physical health sometimes, to, to allow them to share those stories will allow other people to then talk about these things. And we can just sort of make everything a little bit easier for everybody, I think. And obviously people don't always want to talk about their failures um, and that's absolutely understandable because it's a, it's a very, you know, vulnerable time in their lives. And But once they bounce back, you know, yeah. then they might be happy to share it or, yeah. or they yeah, might, might have not bounced back but they've taken a different direction but they're, they're removed from it. Mm. Um, so that might be a good time to yeah. share. Yeah, definitely. And I think any lessons that they've gleaned from that experience of, can be really important for other founders, especially those at an early stage who are sort of maybe kind of imagining this trajectory that they're going on, like to sort of prepare them for maybe not going on that trajectory and to know that there are people they can reach out to mm. and um, to know that there are other people that have been in the same boat and to know that if they are struggling a little bit, like that's okay. And everybody's been there and you don't have to be killing it all the time. No, it's so true. It's so important that these things are talked about so people feel less alienated and alone. Yeah. Um, and who decides on the stories that make it onto the social media pages? 
we sort of all have a hand in that. Um, it's it's another thing that is mostly Bronte's um, area of expertise. But we all will kind of, we tend to share all of the stories that are kind of our original content and the ones that we're especially proud of and the ones that have like great quotes. And there are some that just sort of really lend themselves to social media more than others. Uh, we're also looking into um, more video content for our social medias so there are some startups that just like also really lend themselves to great video content like either they already have footage of like whatever they're doing or they have kind of manufacturing um stuff or they just have like great marketing videos and all of that stuff is is kind of things that we can build into our own coverage of them so if you've got some video content make sure you send it along with your pitch (laughs) yeah definitely Okay, great. And is there any video you don't want people to share? Like, uh, is there any that's just too looking like an ad or a... Um, yeah, that's exactly it, basically. And, like, we don't want your your ads. <laughs> and um, we don't just sort of want sort of footage of your customers saying you're amazing, um, even though that's, that's great marketing material for you. We kind of, we're looking for kind of um, action shots, I guess, and uh, something that kind of gives us a glimpse of like behind the curtain and um, maybe sort of your own interviews and things as long as they're not too promotional. Yeah. Oh, that's really good advice. Um, and what advice would you give people to give the best interview possible? The best interviews that we have are people who are just being themselves and who aren't, it sounds kind of counter- counterintuitive, but we don't want people to be sort of too media trained we want to kind of get your actual opinions on things if you can kind of break out of that um sort of script almost and chat to us just like we're your mate which I don't know I know it's difficult and I know it can be intimidating but they're the interviews that kind of end up like you end up getting really interesting content and you kind of really get a sense of who the people are we sometimes write up a piece and someone will comment on it saying like like a friend of the interviewee will comment on it saying, oh, I can really tell that this is this is you, like your voice really comes through. And that's like, that's exactly what we want. So we try to kind of put people at ease a little bit early on and kind of just ask them easy questions um, <laughs> to begin with. But then, you know, if we ask about kind of, you know, your personal experience and kind of your passions and your reasoning behind things, it's, it's really great if, if people can kind of talk candidly about those things. And um, and if you're really passionate about something, that, that tends to shine through. Um, and we don't mind if people swear a little bit or if they, like, laugh at themselves. Like, those kinds of things can, like, make for a really kind of really interesting piece that's full of character. And how does the partner content and sponsored financial content on the site work? It's completely separate. So we don't have anything to do with the sponsored content um, other than we um, insert it into the newsletters uh, where it's been scheduled. Um, It's entirely a separate team that manages all of that stuff. We're very conscious about um, keeping church and state separate. So they kind of don't have any bearing on what we do and we don't have any bearing on what they do. So that's entirely a, a commercial team thing. And we've talked about the value of good images from video point of view. What sort of what are you looking for in a photo? Like what <laughs> what should people consider when taking a photo to send to you to go along with their pitch? For us, landscape, please. Um, and I know that's not, that's not true of everyone, but our, our formatting for our photos on our site is um, kind of quite long and thin. So if you send a, a portrait photo, sometimes we have to crop you 
a bit weirdly. So landscape, 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 landscape. <laughs> but I think for, for everyone, um, send through like a few different options. I, I personally prefer sort of fun ones, um, kind of, you know, candid, like happy, smiley, not too serious, kind of corporate looking. Like show your personality yeah. or your, your brand's personality yeah, as well. Yeah. yeah, but you know, that's that's just me. And ultimately like the photos you want out in your press are your call but I think just send over a few options um let us pick our favorite and let us pick which one works for us and which one works with the story we think that's pretty much it I think I had a really fun one a little while ago where the guy sent me an image of him with his kid and it was so cute and so lovely and and wholesome and um that's like my favorite my favorite image Mm -hmm. we've ever got (laughs) (laughs) um and are there any topics that are hot right now yes (laughs) I mean fintech is sort of always hot yeah it's a real growing industry isn't it yeah it's it's massively growing but at the moment there's all of this talk around fintech lenders versus the um sort of big four lenders and that's kind of an interesting and ongoing conversation and also we have all the neobanks that are sort of up and coming and um it'll be interesting to see how that affects um the market also we're hearing a lot about um agriculture and ag tech which is really fun it's really cool to see kind of this is because again it's these things that I just fully don't understand like I know nothing about agriculture so when people come to me with an ag tech I'm like how does it work what is it like tell me about it and I'm always learning of problems. Your journalist mind kicks in. Yeah (laughs) I'm always learning about problems that in agriculture that I didn't know Um, existed which is fun and we're also talking a lot about diversity in tech there's there's sort of been an ongoing conversation about um, women in startups and women in VC um, which is a really sort of interesting thing to cover but we're also seeing um, more focus on people of color and you know gender diverse people uh, people with uh, disabilities and there's kind of a, real, a bit more of a drive towards inclusion and um, inclusive hiring and, you know, diversity by design and diversity, um, kind of conscious diversity, if that makes sense, which is really great to see. I think it's really good to see these topics just being talked about so that even if we can't kind of flip a switch and fix everything, it's great to um, to kind of at least have those topics on the table. Fantastic. And emails or phone calls, what do you prefer? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a hypocrite because I prefer receiving emails and being able to respond to them in my own time, but I much prefer to call people. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel like um, if you pitch me via email, please don't call 10 minutes later. But if you kind of, if you resend the email, then I will, I will get back to you eventually yeah um, and I know again I know that's really frustrating and I know that everybody hates it but we're we, we're just working to deadlines all yeah. the time and um if somebody calls when I'm on deadline and I think it's going to be somebody calling me back for a quote and it's actually somebody else pitching me a different story and then you're stuck on the phone it's it's a nightmare so for me I, pref- I prefer emails yeah yeah yep. but I absolutely understand why people would want to call me because I want to call people <laughs> <laughs> sure um, and lastly, the tagline of this podcast is mainstream your message. So what advice do you have people out there wanting to, to go mainstream and just mainstream their message? I think on a really sort of practical note, make sure that the message you're sending is sort of front and center of your press release. 
And if that message is we're amazing for this reason, you want to talk to us because we're awesome, then make say that first. We, we get some press releases that sort of lead with a like, um, for 20 years, this industry has been like this and we're here to change it. And I'm like, tell me how. Get to the point. Yeah, tell me who you are and what you're doing. So that's kind of, I, th- I think if we can tell from the subject line and the first line of the email, like what, what it is you're pitching us. Um, equally, if you've raised funding, if you've hit a milestone, if you've made a partnership, if, if like you've done something cool, which is why we should talk to you on this particular day or in the, at this particular time, then put that front and center of your email. Yeah, so that like I don't get to the point. No yeah. waffle, just get to the point. Yeah. Equally, um, if you are looking to kind of, um, you know, boost your profile and be included in um, thought leadership pieces and if you if you want journalists to call you because you're an expert on something and if you want to, like, put your opinion across and if you have um, things to say about policy and you have strong feelings about things, let us know that that's something you're open to, like, whether it's, like, just through a tweet or whether you just drop us an email or just, send, you know, send us your number and then it's really helpful if you are available to speak at short notice. And I get that it's kind of unreasonable, but quite often we're looking to write a story within the space of an hour or so. So if we can call you and you can just chat for five minutes and, you know, just tell us what you think. Um, and then we'll just stick that in the story and it's it's easy. If you're kind of, I mean, obviously you're allowed to not answer your phone, but if we leave you a message, it's helpful if you call back as soon as possible. And just, I, th- I think there's, I, I think people don't always realize the value in just being available, being available and willing and opinionated. That's what will make us call you again. And um, if you make great quotes, that's what makes a great story. And that's what we want. So I think if you're, if you're trying to sort of be um, an influencer in the industry and trying to like boost your own profile that way, then that's like, honestly, the biggest tip I have is to answer your phone. Yeah. Great, great advice. Well, thank you so much, Stephanie. You've really been full of insights and uh, all the entrepreneurs and startups out there, I'm sure have been hanging off your every word. So really, really appreciate you coming in um, and thank you very much. No problem. Thank you for having me. It was fantastic to hear from Stephanie all the tips and tricks related to media about the startup world. And next week is the final episode of season one of the Magnify You podcast, where we'll be welcoming into the studio Katrina Strickland, who's the editor of Premier Magazine Good Weekend. So tune in. Thank you for joining Monica Rosenfeld on the Magnify You podcast. If you liked the episode, rate and review the show on whatever app you listen to the show on. You can listen to Magnify You on all podcast apps, including Apple and Google. Spotify and the TuneIn Radio app are other great ways to listen. If you are looking for a marketing speaker for your next event or PR for your business, contact Monica Rosenfeld at monica at wordstormpr.com.au.